0: Hello there, Good morning,
1: Welcome to the team.
2: The Crows welcome back to the podcast with an absolute shellacking of the bombers, knocking James Heard onto the scrap heap as we march towards September action. Join us as we pick through the Essendon carcass, preview the upcoming match against the Lions, and welcome PJ Crows to the Board Talk Grill. We're risking our lives in being here, but we're doing it all for you. This is Crowcast. Welcome, guys, to another edition of Crowcast for what has shaped up to be a pretty big week in AFL footy, uh, with a couple of um, major things happening uh, over the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, So we'll cover that, obviously, plus we'll talk about last week's game, and we'll have a chat about the Lions match coming up, and we'll have a special guest, obviously, for board talk. So without further ado, welcome to the guys. Welcome, Denos. Hello. That's it, just hello. How are you? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) G'day Waffle, how you doing?
3: Good evening,
0: Phoenix.
2: And straight off the sick bed we have Nikki. How you going Nikki? I'm here. Fighting fit?
0: As well as as can be, but it's been a, a big day in football as they say.
2: Well, at least you're not being a whiny little girl about it, which is uh, great to hear.
0: I'm never a whiny little girl.
2: That's right.
0: That's my job. Not completely.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I guess without further ado, because there is quite a bit of news uh, this week, we'll chuck it over to you, Nick. So, uh, away you go? <laughs>
0: Well, we've, we seem to have maintained our coach. We're going to use the term destroyer um, position as a club after getting rid of two coaches from North Melbourne, one from Richmond. Um, who else did we get rid of? Two from North Richmond. There was another one. Oh, was it a Western Bulldog? Oh, I can't remember. And now now we, now we can add Essendon. Who was it, Danos?
4: Yeah, I was going to say Essendon.
0: Yeah, we can, we can add Essendon to the list now with uh, James Hurd. Um Alternatively, either being sacked, resigning, uh, quitting for the benefit of the players. It's it's a bit hard to tell exactly what he did, but I've never known anybody who's resigned who's got a – Possibly a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar payout. Yeah, negotiated
2: resignations don't really work, do they?
0: No, um, that means you've been sacked. Um,
2: there's no need to worry, though. He's still a good coach.
0: Oh, he could have been a great coach.
2: Well, he's standing by his record in troubling times. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I don't think many player um, coaches would uh, stand by a record like that. They, I don't think they'd really. Um, Unless you're uh, like an Alan Richardson or a Luke Beveridge where you're building something and the board actually understands that that's what you're doing.
3: It's now safe to bring out the mic though, Nicky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Caro actually um, came out today and said that the St Kilda game was the the final nail in the coffin. Now, that was at the start of July. It's If that's the case, if that was the... If that was the one that kind of made the board go, well, no, he can't be our coach for the future, it took them over a month to get rid of him.
4: Um, yeah, he actually covered that in, in the um, – or well, he and Paul Little covered that in the press conference, Nikki.
0: Oh, you mean that um, that PR exercise?
4: Uh, yeah, well, they covered that anyway. They they said that he um, approached whoever it was. Xavier Essendon, Campbell. Xavier Campbell um, four, week, or four weeks ago or five weeks ago, a month ago and um, basically said, look, if the board thinks that I need to go, then I'll tend to my resignation. Yeah. And yes, it took four weeks for them to decide. How oh, nice of him.
0: I just kind of get the feeling that that's a, um, a way to make him look better.
2: I say
3: face measure.
2: Certainly the whole thing's been orchestrated to... Um, leave him in as good a light as possible um, so I, I'd love <laughs> to know what hard. he has over that club
0: oh, I think there's a few people still there there were a few um, heads turned about what was going on I, th- I think that's what he has over them that there's um, um, quite a number of other people who are at the club still who were involved or were aware of that program and okayed it
2: yeah, no doubt. And did anyone catch the comedy show on uh, Fox footy tonight with uh, Robbo?
0: I had my popcorn. It was delicious. Was
3: he, was he plastered?
0: He actually came across as uh, fairly measured initially, and then he started to fire up. And you could just see that Gerard just had this look on his face of like, what are you on? Um, how can you not understand this? the The fact yeah. that. Robbo was pushing this one little line that, and you actually heard it in the press conference in that he tried to put in the idea that the AFL were behind herd sacking. Now the AFL wouldn't do that on the day that they announced the brand new broadcast rights with the, the highest ever um, one that's ever been announced before in, in Australian sport because it's taken all of the limelight pretty much away from that.
2: It's pretty clear that Robbo's got all his information from the Heard camp because his view on the whole matter is just so skewed. It's it's almost childlike.
0: He was Heard's ghostwriter for when Heard, um, any of Heard's articles on the SNL website from when he was a player and then as a coach, um, Robbo was his ghost writer for them.
3: I'm sure he, he has a few apple juice glasses before he gets on sometimes. I'm really certain of that.
0: Oh, apparently he was like in tears and ranting and raving on SEN. Um, Hopefully they put it up because, I mean, it's not good that you want to listen to somebody having a mental breakdown like that, but in a way it's like "Mm, you've reaped what you've sowed, mate.
4: He's just acting like a child though.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this is the chief football writer for the biggest um, AFL um, newspaper in the country.
0: Oh, yeah. And everybody goes, how did he get the job?
2: It just blows my mind. Not that there's many people pushing up from underneath him by the
1: looks of it.
0: No, and his his grammar can sometimes be kind of interesting. And you read some of his sentences going, what did you actually mean there?" Yeah. And you, and you contrast that with uh, Russell Jackson's pieces in The Guardian. Um, I've really, um, I said this on the board, I've really enjoyed his work all this year. Um, and he's done some very interesting ones um, and actually come up with some of the best one-liners about the the drug saga. Um, I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but he, he did point out that the looks on the players, he thought it smacked of sincerity, um, them being lined up behind it.
2: Yeah. Well, they weren't weeping, which is – what Robo basically intimated that they were distraught. I mean, they looked stoic and duty bound to be there and all the rest of it, but they, uh, I reckon there'd be a fair amount of relief going through
3: that group. That's what I was about to say, Phoenix. They'd be more relieved than anything else.
0: There's an interesting screen cap that's up on the Hot Topic board, which has Zaha looking exceedingly pissed off, and right behind him with a death eyed stare is Paul Chapman. They don't look happy.
1: Yeah, well,
2: Zaka getting a clip from the outgoing coach probably didn't help his mood much.
0: No, I mean, uh, he, I think he, he thought he was trying to be funny and, oh, isn't this good? Um, I, I have to tell Zaharakis off that he's a bit soft. <laughs> you don't do that in public.
2: Do you reckon, yeah, that was do you reckon he's going to get bloody sledged every game for the rest of his career now?
0: I don't think he will. Um,
2: I do. Why you get uh, no. under his skin, are no, you a soft cock, uh, soft player?
0: No, I I think because of what went on and that everybody is aware that he's the one who didn't participate in the program and yet he's been unfairly slandered. So I think the other players would actually have a fair bit of sympathy for him being stuck in that place and he's done nothing wrong and he's carried himself very well. And if you think back to a game on the weekend, he's one of the few Essendon players that actually played well.
3: I was about to say um, more of a sledge for him is uh, you only play one game a year, don't you, on Anzac Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So her has gone. So that's the Essendon conversation uh, finish until WADA come up, which is when's that, November or something, isn't that's it?
0: That's November and that could still take a while because that's going to be a whole new investigation um, of what they're dealing with there. So that um, could go into January. Um, may even go a little bit longer. We don't know. And the interesting thing is is what they're going to do about the new coach and the fact that Little, even though he's leaving, is going to be the one intimately involved with picking the new coach. Now, why wouldn't you hand that over to Lindsay Tanner, who's going to be the next chairman of the board?
2: Well, this is where Robo was quite interesting because on the one hand, he thought that Hurd should stick it out to the end of the season and it was a silly idea for him to go now. Yet, on the other hand, he was criticising Essendon for uh, Little staying on and, and saying why should the incoming uh, uh, chairman be um, beholden to the to the decisions made by past people, which is exactly what the new Essendon coach would be if he had to take over after trade week and draft and all the rest of it.
0: And I think I've, I find it interesting that you can kind of see that Robbo's already got the knives laid out for Little because Little was brought on as a herd acolyte He was there to protect Herd, and I think he started to understand that that wasn't a good position to be in, that the club was really going down the gurgler even further. Um, But what I found most interesting was actually Rowan Connolly. Now, he's an Essendon supporter. He's very much been in the pro herd, herd, Herd camp all along. He changed his tune very much on the weekend he's kind of been edging towards that way but it was full on from Sunday onwards it was not this is untenable it can't go on and he made a point that I thought was very interesting in that and and it harks back to something that Heard kind of brought up in his exit um, interview there that Essendon's the most successful club well they're not they're equal with Carlton but you look at Essendon and Carlton they're two basket case clubs
2: Yeah, and both um, board-driven basket case clubs and it shows you, um, you make the comparison between those two clubs and say Western Bulldogs who've struggled for the previous couple of years but had relative stability at board level Um, and they've been able to bounce back quite quickly um, Mm. by comparison.
0: Well, where Connolly actually relates it to is that Essendon and Carlton Expect success to come their way because it has previously and it's just going to happen. We're so great, we just have to do what we've always done. It's going to happen. Whereas clubs like St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs, who most people consider down the bottom, but you think they've actually played more finals in the last 10 years than Carlton um, and Essendon have, I I think off the top of my head. Um, And yet they go up. Okay, they go down again, but then they come back up, whereas Essendon and Carlton are going down and they keep going down because they don't understand that you actually have to change in this industry. You actually have to run it more like a business and you have to be ruthless and not just expect things to happen how you want.
2: Yeah, and those those clubs that you mentioned, Saints and um, – Bulldogs, uh, probably saints to a lesser degree, but they've been forced into change just by their position. Whereas you notice some of the conditions, uh, the decisions that Carlton's made over the last 10 years, they've been very reactive and very based around, you know, the next messiah. We're, we're that close, we're one piece shorter than the puzzle, blah, blah, blah. Whereas really their whole club has just been going from bad to worse.
0: Oh, well and truly. So, we should probably move on from yep. this, even though we could talk about it all night, because there is a, a lot that could be discussed, and I'm pretty sure it will be rehashed. It's still not going to be a clear circuit breaker and we will give um, clear air. I think it's going to go on for a little bit longer.
2: Well, I don't think that, I think we're the only media outlet, if you want to use that term for us, <laughs> that aren't doing a James Heard sacking spe- special tonight. So, we're quite unique in that regard.
0: Um, So we can move on to the uh, broadcast rights, which was quite interesting because we're stuck into 2022 with 22 games per year. So that means there's going to be no changes in um, the number of teams. So
3: two for 22.
0: Yes, we are. Interesting in that um, Foxtel News Corp, um, so the three partners are Telstra for the digital platform, um, Channel 7 for the free-to-air and News Corp um, for theirs. And interesting that they were given what they, they classed it as um, Foxtel being given five and a half games per round in that what they meant is that there's a couple of games per year that Foxtel, if they want, can on-sell to another free-to-air provider. So we've got a new time slot of 3.10 on Saturday afternoon. So we're bringing in Twilight Saturday. And what was mooted tonight is that the possibility is it's maybe one of those games is the one that will be on Soul 2. And Jared was, Jared um, uh, Waitley was quite strong that it was going to be Channel 10 that who they would be on selling it on. Ron Treadray did apparently say he thought it would be Channel 9, but I think that's because he's a Channel 9 person and he would like it on his channel. But, yeah, not going to happen.
2: I don't think they've got the space with all the NRL commitments.
0: No. Um, it was a ridiculous amount of, uh, what is it, $6.508 billion dollars so uh, a nice bit of money going in. So we'll, we'll see some movement on the, um, the new enterprise bargaining agreement. Um, I know the players are very keen on getting quite a share of that money. Um, but the good news was that apparently from the start of this new rights agreement, all the free-to-air games will be shown in high def. So gold review systems might actually be able to work properly and not guessed like they seem to happen up in Sydney.
2: No, still got to have the right cameras though. Yeah, that too. So, what does that mean uh, in terms of coverage? Because I noticed the other thing is that Fox are able to have exclusive rights to three WA and three SA games per season now.
0: Yes. So, three games, three Adelaide Crows games will be shown on delay and free to wear. Now, they're probably going to be home games. Which you know that's what's happened anyhow. Um, Is it
2: three crows games or three South Australian games?
0: No, it's three crows games, three Port games, three Frio games, three West Coast games.
2: So it's actually six from each of those two states because three sixty said three, three from WA and three from SA.
0: Mm, that's interesting because the way it was worded in the press conference, I'll have to wait and um, yeah, we see might the, have to the wait. way. Yeah, the way that Gillian. Gillen um, said it, it sounded like it was for each of the sides. But interestingly, GW, GWS, Lions, Gold Coast, and Sydney, all of them will be free to wear.
2: Interesting. Yes. Well, well, hopefully, that frees up a bit of coin for us to throw up Pat so he stays a bit longer.
0: And then in other news, uh, Chris Newman, has uh, the Richmond former captain, has announced his retirement at the end of this season. Um, you'd have to say that he's probably a, a fairly respected player for what he's been able to to get out of himself and the way that he's carried himself and carried that team, I would suggest a little bit through some um, very interesting times down there at Richmond.
2: Yeah, and had some pretty horrific injuries in yeah. the course of it. So good on him
0: and what's going to affect us a little bit in the run for the finals. Um, so Silvani, Alex Silvani went, um, he pled guilty. Um, he pleaded remorse straight away. He, I did actually note that um, he, as soon as the game was ended, he actually sought out uh, one of the West Coast players who I understand he's actually fairly close with anyhow. Um, to find out how Cripps was um, and so that he could offer his apologies immediately at the end of the game. So he knew he had done something wrong um, and he offered it again. He pled guilty immediately as soon as it went in um, and just, you know, put himself on the mercy of the tribunal really. And they gave him four games, which I think most people's like, yep, that's fair enough. Uh, Fremantle did want, The four games, but down to three because he pled guilty. Um, But the tribunal didn't go through with that. But in the case of Marston and the biting was kind of interesting. So we haven't had a case like this in a while. It's something that's very anathema to a lot of people that you don't bite. And, you know, fair enough. I can understand in that instance if somebody's on the back of you you know they've got their arm in your mouth and just you know you might actually do it but it was interesting he had his mouth guard in at the time and they weirdly enough they brought in a human movement expert to argue that that's all he was going to do and it was involuntary and they argued that the tribunal found him guilty and they've suspended him for two games so even though John Worsfold was a character witness for him and said it was very unlike him to do something like that, Um, he's still not going to play the game against us.
3: He was hungry.
0: Why would you want to eat Supan?
3: Well, true. Nom, 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 nom. That's right. Maybe he thought his name was (laughs) Supan.
0: So they're kind of like the big news um, that's gone on this week.
4: So what what happened with uh, the other guy
2: who Maguan?
0: Oh, he appealed it, and I think that got thrown out. He appealed his fine; no, he still has to pay it.
2: But, uh, thanks for that, Nikki. Um, and we'll move on. <laughs> So we obviously had a massive win over the weekend. That's led to a, a fair degree of fallout from the opposition. So let's have a uh, chat about the game versus Essendon um, or training drill against Essendon.
0: Shellacking.
4: I think, I think we got our um, tips pretty, pretty well spot on.
0: I was only 70 points out.
2: Yeah, I wanted Eddie to have a breakout game and I thought we'd win by 100 plus. I was pretty satisfied.
3: You were pretty close,
2: weren't you, Phoenix?
0: You did Nice.
4: I think what I said was um, if we were serious, then we needed to win by 100-plus points. And we obviously came out and were serious about it and um, we don't know what's happened since. Good coaching, Dan Oz.
2: I think it was you that might have inspired him, mate. Coaching?
1: Yeah. It was was your speech
2: that they listened to on podcast before the game. I think Witcher might have played it before the game and and got them all would up,
3: focused. He said, listen to this bloke, he knows his stats and he knows what he's telling telling you to do. Well,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so convinced.
1: Can we actually it's take it's it good
2: in? that we were serious anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Can we actually take anything out of the game though? I mean, you know, when the game was there to be won, we were only 30-odd points up at half halftime. Um, and it's clear that Essendon just dropped their bundle when things got a bit hard. What what can we actually take out of the game?
3: I still hate that bearded maggot.
0: Oh, God, yes, there was some interesting umpiring, um, which is always going to happen when he's involved. I have to say, though, there were a couple of things I was disappointed in seeing, um, and then it got repeated in the FNFL game the next day. From what I've noticed the past couple of weeks is sometimes when we get beaten on the outside, it's because... Uh, midfielders get sucked in too close to the contest. All of them come in, and Thompson is probably the main um, issue with this. Um, Jacobs was winning a lot of the taps and putting him into the spots where Thompson was, but then he just inexplicably decided to follow his player all the way um, into the contest instead of staying out. Which um, upset me a little bit because that's when they were like, getting the ball. And, and a similar, thing, similar kind of setup was happening in the SNFL as well. They were all coming in too close, but we also had too many just pure clearance players in the SNFL side. But contrasting that with there was another um, midfield battle, like on the half on the Essen and half forward line. And you can see Thompson and Dangerfield, there was a little signal of Thompson calling danger over. And they initiated the block. One of them then got the ball and and cleared it away. So sometimes they're working really well. Other times it was like, you need to get a bit better at that, guys.
4: I think we also need to um, pull up Henderson and his complete lack of awareness of where to
3: go at what time. It was like a kid down the wrong shopping aisle looking for chocolate. He's in the freezer section.
0: It was interesting the number of times we had our wingmen actually passing to each other when they were on the same side. Um, So we had Henderson passing to Atkins, Atkins passing to Henderson when they were both kind of like on the same wing or heading into the forward line. And and then later on when um, McKay, I think, came in and the same things kind of happened there. But the other thing I actually noticed, which was really interesting, was how many times when we're coming down that left-hand side, even if you're a right footer, we kick with our left foot.
4: Yep, I noticed that too.
2: Yeah, I think they've been encouraged to use their wrong side, whereas perhaps previously they've been encouraged to uh, try and get on their preferred foot, which often makes them unbalanced.
3: Another thing, has Brodie Smith turned the form corner finally?
0: I think so. Well,
4: it, it took a bit of downhill skiing for him to find some form, but hopefully he can keep it up when the pressure's on. Yeah. So it's he probably was a confidence thing
2: for him.
0: Yeah, he, well, he really started to hit it the week before, and he just went on with it again this week.
4: Yeah, but the start of the game, he was absolutely useless.
2: Yeah, it took a little while. One bloke who who I did think stood up at the beginning of the game was Hardigan, and he hasn't had a lot of credit on the board because he's got a lot of haters, but I watched the replay um, again, and it really stood out that he did four or five really useful defensive things and a couple of disposals under pressure which hit their mark, so... You know, I know there's a lot of hate for him on the board um, and probably still contentious as to whether he's the long term solution, but I thought he stood up pretty well in that first quarter when the pressure was on.
0: And it was interesting. Um, Talia referred to that in the aftermatch where he talked about um, how well um, Hardigan played and the fact that. They decided to put him on Hooker, who's the inform forward. Um, they actually described, um, yeah, Hooker as, as being Essendon's main forward at the moment, and they put Hardigan on him. They they they're trusting him.
2: Yeah, which is good I think because if they do want him to be the long-term solution and it would be handy if he was, then they, he's got to get used to having big jobs and like, as I said, when you sit back and watch the replay and and have a look at some of the stuff that he did over that first quarter and a half, um, he certainly didn't put a foot wrong. And Jacob. Although his disposal is still useless.
0: He's getting a bit better at that.
4: Who's yeah, that? it's probably a confidence thing as well.
0: Yeah, Hardigan. Hardigan.
2: Oh, he hit a few targets in that first quarter under pressure, as I said, so it wasn't um, completely terrible. Oh,
4: Yeah, I think I still noticed more of his mistakes than his um, good stuff. You're a
2: hater.
0: I think there are a lot of people focus on that. They expect him to make a balls up, and so you kind of wait for it to happen, whereas other players are kind of like, oh, yeah, they kind of did that, but they do this other stuff, and that's okay. Um, like Matt Crouch, I'm still oh, he still annoyed me on the weekend. Some he's of those your kicks boy. were oh, he is. And yeah, I actually quite like him as a player. It's just he just makes some stupid decisions at the time, and doesn't look.
2: Uh, not forgetting that he's a sub twenty pl- game player. Yeah. <laughs> in a, in a pivotal role.
0: But it, it's a basic thing of if.
2: Nicky, go
0: then. Oh, my finger went off the button. Press your uh, button when you're <laughs> ranting. You <go> you. <laughs> Press my button when I'm... Don't push yeah, my buttons. Don't push my buttons. <laughs> no, I had to cough. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Hey, the fact <laughs> that I'm still awake <laughs> at this time is a bonus.
3: Did you the light on stage there? I <laughs> did.
0: No, it, it's the fact that um, what annoys me is that everybody should know the structures. You know how another t- the other team sets up. They're going to have those loose players in that particular area. You don't do a quick kick out of the pack. And what does he do? A quick kick out of the pack. It works in juniors. It doesn't work in the AFL.
2: Yeah, still a sub-20 game player in a pivotal role.
0: Yeah.
4: Who's, ne- who's nearly played more games than his brother now.
2: Yeah, which is sad, isn't
0: it? Yeah,
4: he'll probably have more games than than uh, his brother by the end of the season.
2: Yeah, let's hope Brad can get up next year and get over this these issues that he's got. Feet are terrible, way.
0: But at least we've um, kind of taken him out of it completely. Said, "No, we're going to get it right."
2: So I don't know. I I mean, it was it was a good way to finish the game that second half. I don't think you can really take a lot out of it other than we we played the game out and kicked a high score, which is what we needed to do, so, you know.
0: Yeah, and we kept pushing. um, We kept trying to score.
4: It was interesting um, reading Twitter during the last quarter and um, after the game, people, uh, obviously Victorians, complaining about Adelaide fans enjoying um, watching the route. Uh, And I I felt that... um, it's a completely Victorian way of thinking about things. Um, that
2: I just completely lost my train of thought. Then
0: <laughs> I'm the one who's sick and brain's a bit fuzzy, not you.
2: Are you saying that they thought we should have been more empathetic to Essendon? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. No way. Stuff that.
4: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. That's that's exactly my point.
0: Okay. The the fans can react how they react and I had no problem with that. But you look at our players and the way that we reacted, we didn't celebrate that win at all. The first thing no. our players did was, and you saw that with Danger, you know, just checking the Essendon players, are you guys okay?
2: Yeah. Um, Text made mention of it.
0: Yeah. Alien made
2: mention of it. Um, they were certainly mindful of the fact that the Bombers, obviously, and it must have been obvious to them on the field, and, and Text did allude to that, that they just didn't seem right. Um so, I mean, Victorian public and Victorian media, you know they're always going to be biased, so these the years are nice and salty.
0: <laughs> they taste delicious.
2: So that's probably all we can really say about the game, isn't it?
4: Well, the other good thing that um, uh, I don't know if any of you guys follow Champion Data on Twitter, uh, but they put out – a couple of weeks ago, a graph which shows uh, the current teams against the um, Premiership teams of the last 15 years. Yeah. And um, they've narrowed it down to sort of a, a Premiership quality uh, attack and defense. Uh, and so your attack needs to be over 100 points and your defense needs to uh, be under. 85 points, I think. Uh, With that win, we're now almost the only only one of three teams who is uh, within that region.
0: And if you think about it, our defence and our forward line is still actually fairly young.
4: Yeah, and our defence is clearly not up to the standard that we would like it to be.
2: It just shows that Phil had it right in terms of team defence because on its own, you're right, Daniels, our defence is is young, you know, lacks experience and probably a a key position short. And yet, um, you know, percentage-wise, we're going quite well.
4: Um, Yeah, so the the big win really helped. Um, We probably need another big win against Brisbane. Um, But I think probably the, the main thing is that We're not up to scratch yet against the teams above us, as uh, Nikki pointed out before,
1: or PJ. Was it PJ that pointed out? Yeah, PJ. PJ. Yeah. Which would have probably where we would have
2: expected to be at this stage of our development. Lower half of the eight is probably, you know, hitting hitting a a realistic um, target for twenty fifteen. I would have thought.
0: Yeah. I think that's where a lot of us sort of conservatively thought we should be is like aiming to to get a final, at least win at least one, um, but building on for the future with the the foundations being laid.
2: And let's face it, if we do get into the finals, we're likely going to be facing Richmond uh, and or Western Bulldogs.
3: Possibly,
2: Not, possibly Sydney, yeah, but certainly out of Richmond and the Bulldogs, um, it's you know, I mean, it'll be all new to most of the Bulldogs players, and Richmond are notoriously flaky in finals anyway. There's no reason why we couldn't push into the second or even the third week of no. uh, the final series if we get there, which would be great for for the experience for the younger kids.
0: And on that note, what did you guys think of Charlie Cameron's game and particularly how he started to play consistently over the past couple of weeks?
3: He was delicious.
2: He's he's starting to assert himself now, which is great. He's not timid anymore. He's playing like he knows he belongs. Um, and, uh, you know, probably showing the the promise that we always hoped he would now.
4: Yeah, he doesn't seem to have that starstruck um Uh, problem that he had to begin with.
3: Doing the number 23 proud at the minute, just. Yes.
0: Oh, well, and truly that one, that goalie kicked where the ball came into our forward line and it goes over the back and then all of a sudden Charlie just comes screaming into the screen and he takes off. He's like, yeah, you're not going to catch him.
2: Yeah, you're right, Danos. He was a bit starstruck, I think, earlier on. Um, And that's a bit of a trait um, of younger Aboriginal players, apparently, um, that they do tend to defer a bit and are quite awestruck. Um, But I reckon Eddie's obviously helped him with that. And um, he certainly knows he belongs now, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think Eddie's probably... Heading towards one of our most important signings we've ever had at our club. I mean, Darren Jarman, of course, takes the top cake in terms of a, a trade coming in, but Eddie, for what he's been able to do around the club, um, but also his mentoring that he's doing with the other Indigenous players, has been nothing short of sensational.
3: You took more than the top cake these days, uh, Nicky.
0: <laughs> True. <laughs>
2: So let's look ahead eh, to um, Brisbane Lions, another one where we got potentially a, a nice percentage uh, boost. Um, and was it you, Dennis, that was mentioning that they've got a few out? Or was that you, Nick?
0: No, that was me. Um, yeah, they've got like Lewenberger out, Aisha's out, both of the beams are out. Um, I think there's some more. They're, they're really – their key position stocks are are not doing well at all. But most importantly, has everybody got their yellow lined up to wear for Saturday night?
3: I'm wearing yellow Saturday night out for dinner, or maybe maybe a mustard suit
0: nice because of course it's I'll be in support of bales.
1: I'll be wearing it in spirit yeah
2: let's let's hope people pick up on that it's it's a good initiative um and it'd be great to see Adelaide over full of yellow,
0: and will actually look quite good it is some we saw that with the the Eddie pocket. Um, it really does stand out. So I can understand why the club's been quite keen on that. They've been pushing the yellow in terms of branding, and I I know with the the selection of the new um, two away strips that a few people, and as Phoenix, you pointed out, it's the colour of cowardice. Um, But there's been a very conscious effort of the use of yellow in our club this year.
4: And also the use of the supporter base. Yeah. Have they ever asked about the class strips, away strips before?
0: Uh, no, they did. We, had, we did. we had that poll last time, but um, then they released the results and said we're going to ignore what you've said.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We'll ask you, but we don't really care.
2: I think the away strips are a good outcome, and the yellow comment really was. Um, that's a very old school view, it and, is. A, and I'm very old, so <laughs> that's why <laughs> I raised it. It's probably you know not such a big deal these days.
3: No, you're all right for a fossil phoenix.
2: Thanks, young fella.
0: <laughs> Denos is the baby, aren't you in our group? Yeah,
2: you guys are all so old. So old. Anyway, Dennis, it's been nice having you with us. uh, Your connection's breaking up a bit.
0: (laughs) So I suppose back on the Brisbane, is there any chance that we don't think this is possibly going to be a shellacking?
3: Um, I thought you were going to say something else and I was going to say, please don't go there.
0: (laughs) They did actually play not too bad against Carlton, um, but that was Carlton.
3: I think my yeah I was going to say my 4 year old could run rings around half that side I
2: don't I don't see them uh, giving a yelp uh, I think it potentially could be worse than the yes and A game for Brisbane
0: And it, it even though that's it's a cruel thing to do in a way it's a nice step in the direction for our playing group that you can play at this level at that sort of intensity and within the structures that the um, the coaching staff want them to and do it consistently.
2: I don't think we should be making any apologies given the season that we've had and the issues that we've suffered during the year. The fact, And I think there was an age reporter, and I can forget who it was, wrote an article about um, everyone focusing on the, the Essendon demise, but forgetting... How resilient we've shown our club to be. Um, You know, we're talking about something tragic happening, you know, less than two months ago. Um, And we've been able to regroup. And the fact that we're now fighting for a final spot and playing really positive footy, no one can begrudge us that. And I I think that that's going to carry on with Brisbane. I think we've got a bit of a sniff now. Um, I reckon we might just have our tails up a bit.
4: But not only that, Phoenix, but the fact that we went through. the Tippett fiasco, we went through losing um, players to uh, Gold Coast and GWS, which not a lot of – I think only us and the Bulldogs lost players to both. Yeah. And we also had the passing of Dan Bailey last year. Yep. Um, we, we, we're a club that has been through a lot of very difficult situations in the last couple of years, and we've fought through.
2: Absolutely and if we were a Victorian club, we'd be lauded on the front page of all the papers Um, but it's a fantastic achievement particularly by the current administration. I think everyone's taken their focus away from Andrew Fagan but what a fantastic job he's done.
0: And the the other thing I'll say is that there's probably somebody down at the club who most people don't know who I think probably needs to get a whole lot of um thanks and that's Emma Bear who's our player development manager and I I think she was like the third person who was called after um Chapman got the that horrible phone call and she's the one who's really been that that link for the players with the club providing the support that's needed to to get them up and, and playing on this. And I see her at all the SA NFL games. She's there with her own family. Um, and I just think she needs a, a huge amount of um, thanks and, and respect for the job that she's. I think she's done in helping keep the, the players and, and quite possibly a lot of the staff as well um, up and, and moving forward
2: yeah well, th- that's a really good point, Nikki. I mean, she's hardly been mentioned in in the grand scheme of things um since the event. Um but you' are right, there's probably so many people in the back offices there at Adelaide that have been integral to keeping keeping things together and and you know just helping helping the team regroup and the club itself regroup. Um, you You just can't understate how much of a fantastic effort it's been.
0: And I suppose we also have to throw out amongst all of this, uh, some congratulations to Andrew and Alana on the birth of their daughter.
2: That's
4: right. absolutely,
2: yep.
0: Now, there's some some nice little positivity happening around the club as well.
2: Yeah, Giselle, was it?
1: Was that the name of the child, Giselle? Giselle? Giselle, yeah. Gigi. Yeah, well hopefully
2: Fags is happy here. He seems to have fitted in like like hand in gloves, so hopefully he sticks around for a few years because what he's done for our club and the way he's given us a direction and set us on a path. Um, after the fiasco of the previous five or six years, it's it, it's been an incredible turnaround really.
3: Blueprint for our success with the, across you know, the whole the board coaching staff, it's just positive and looking on the
0: way up and up. I think it was Nixmas who um, mentioned it on the, the, the board that, you know, that now with Essendon now looking for a coach, is that going to call, throw a spanner in our works? And I kind of pointed out the fact that if you're a pr- prospective coach, would you want to go at Essendon not knowing – if most of that playing list is going to be available at all and everything that's happened regarding the footy department, they still haven't finished their review. Um, there's been some interesting talk about what a shambles that is. Carlton, everybody kind of knows what the issues are going on there and yet there's as where you had Walshy talking quite openly about the fact that Fagan had knocked back anything he'd asked for, um, that there'd been quite a bit of money spent um, and. So you've got a, a CEO that's very supportive of football department spend, and whereas we know that Triggy, who's now at Carlton, doesn't like spending money on a football department.
2: The interesting thing with Essendon too, just as an aside, given the dynamics in that club at the moment and probably to a lesser extent Carlton, they're going to have to be very careful they don't pick up someone with a bit of a messiah complex who, who waltzes into the interview going, I can, I can grab hold of this and, and change it. Because they'll just they've Carlton have had that over the last five, ten years. They've had those people who have come in and said, i'm going to I'm going fix everything." My house was a classic um Pratt back in the day was the same. Essendon and have had the same with with Herd and and to a lesser degree bomber thompson and and with their administration and board level people. They need someone like a Walsh or like a Fagan who will come in and say, all right, well, let's just let's just set a concrete path and move towards it, you know, yeah. rather than being the saviour.
4: And yet they ended
2: up with the truth. Yeah, well, exactly right. Case in point.
0: Who the AFL endorsed. The AFL kind of pushed him towards the Carlton job.
4: It was, yeah. There's not much to say about it. that hasn't been said. To-
2: no, so, and I think our, our approach is going to be quite different. Obviously, as we were talking about before, we're looking for someone to fit the culture rather than make the culture. So I don't necessarily think that the coaches that are in their sites will, ha- will have the same qualities as the coaches that are potentially in our sites. Yeah. But anyway, back to Brisbane. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> you can still win. So it's like, yeah, we're going to win this. Mm.
2: Well, there's no. Is, can anyone see any reason why we're not going to win it by at least 10 goals?
4: Uh, yeah, not not racking up in the right mindset. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Any danger of that happening, uh, pun intended, given it's dangers 150th?
0: Well, we had Walker's 100th and Lady's 50th and that's the Sydney game and that's where we had the letdown. I think because that was, that'll still be fairly fresh in their minds, I think there'll be a chance of that not occurring.
4: You want to hope so. Um, it's the sort of game where we should win by 10 goals or more.
0: And that was um, that was the Essendon game.
4: And if we – exactly the same as last week. If we show up and we're serious and we mean what we're supposed to be doing, then we will win it by that much. But I don't think we have enough trust in our team yet to be fully – um, confident that that we're going to show up in the right frame of mind.
2: The good thing is, even though we shall Essendon, we still had a, a slow start, and that's going to make start the start this goal. week. Yeah, but we were still down a quarter time and yeah, by 20, we 20 odd goals. You know, so I think the focus this week is going to be very, very heavily put on the first quarter, and I wouldn't mind seeing us come out of the blocks and kick a lazy eight or nine in the first just to bury them. That'd be nice. But the danger, obviously, is we have another easy win, and then we're hitting West Coast up, um, perhaps a little overconfident. I I never know how that pans out, but you'd like to think... The impression I get is that we've got our tails up and that we're very confident at the moment, so another shellacking leading into West Coast won't be a bad thing.
0: And I think the way the coaching staff has kind of dealt with them and, and pretty much got them up and going. And and if you think back to that West Coast game, which I watched most of it um, when I was overseas live, it was just that period where danger was off, which is where West Coast got um, got a hold of us. So I, I actually think we can match it with those kind of teams.
2: Yeah, the, the, without getting ahead into the West Coast game, um, yep. I think we match up all right against West Coast. Um, and you're right, that game was really only a, a burst of 15 minutes where they where they put us away basically, but we kept up with them apart from that. I, I'd like to see us smack Brisbane and keep the lid on and just be very, very focused on the last two games, which are obviously vital for, for us getting in.
0: Yeah, we've – I mean, it's essentially that we've got to keep winning and I, and I think that's been the the consistent message from the coaching staff and that's what they've been focused on, keeping the players' um, mindset on.
3: What does the name I say? Just keep swimming.
0: No, that's Dory.
3: That's Dory. Come on, Waffle. Seriously? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Yeah, that's what my four-year-old would say. Come on, Daddy. Just keep
0: swimming. <laughs> I love All that right. movie.
3: So, tips. Us by 60. Win
2: by 100 plus.
0: I'm going to go e four.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I 100 plus. And just quietly, Dangerfield sneaking into Brownlow contention.
0: Oh, he's in beast mode.
2: $15
4: apparently last time I heard. Yeah. I've... I think that the AFL website's released their um, uh, Brownlow votes predictions chart. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it yet. Yeah, I did
0: see it. I thought they undervalued him.
4: Absolutely, they have. They've undervalued him by at least six or eight votes. He gets—he's one of those guys. He's a Chris Judd type who gets votes when he doesn't deserve them. Yeah, I agree.
3: Put
4: that
3: on it. Hey, put my ass on it.
4: I, I don't know if we can go over Fife, but he's definitely been undervalued by the AFL uh, website.
2: I reckon he's worth putting in your in your Cornella. I, I wouldn't mind if he finishes off the season because Fife has been fair since in the second half of the year, but he's certainly not not equaling his first ten games of the season. So Fife is going to get out to a massive lead, but I wouldn't mind betting that Dangerfield's going to come home with a massive wet sail. I agree.
0: Yeah, if he get if he gets ones or twos in those early games, just a couple of them, we know he's going to get um, at least a couple of threes at this end of the season, the way he's been playing. And the way he's been measuring and slowing down to give um, those lovely precise kicks, that, that pass to Betts was just a thing of beauty. Um, it's been a delight to watch.
2: Yeah, there hasn't been the clangers that there were at the beginning of the season when he seemed a little bit rushed and a little bit bit off-tempo. Off um, second half of the season, particularly after West Coast, he's been, um, he's been
4: 100%. I feel like he is starting to trust his teammates that they're going to apply um, defence against the opposition. I, I was a huge um, critic of us over his last couple of years Uh, not providing blocks for him in congestion. And it seems like he's got so much more space this year than he's ever had before. And I think that is entirely due to his teammates looking out for him properly.
2: Yeah, it's a really good observation, Dan. I reckon given our structures now and our mindset seems to be a lot more in sync, um, that has given Paddy a lot more time. And he's not spending as much time inside as he has previously either, I think adding in a, a Matt Crouch and, a, and earlier on it was um, Ellis Yeoman, yep. has just freed him up a little bit and I think he's really starting to get the benefit of it. He looks a hell of a lot fitter now at this stage this year than he did this stage last year.
0: Yeah, he was so banged up last year.
3: He looked broken at this time last year. All right, so we're agreed.
2: Uh, shellacking. And I like that mate.
0: word. Oh, that'd be nice.
2: Yeah, shellacking is underused. It's time obviously for board talk and this week we have another long standing member of the Adelaide Crows Board. It's a welcome to BJ Crows. How are you going, mate? Mate, hey, how are you? Pretty good. Um, we've been chatting for a little while, so you've been intro to the to the cast of thousands we have here tonight.
5: Yeah. Hey guys, how are we?
0: Very happy after last weekend.
1: Yeah. Let's have a repeat of last weekend. Hopefully
2: we get so a repeat go you... Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, so you've been on the board for a while now. Can you let us know um, what got you interested in the Adelaide Big Footy um, Crows board uh, to start off with?
5: Yeah, basically, um, I've been there since about 2004 and I, I reckon I may have even been earlier than that under an older username. I I've got no idea what it was, but um certainly used to read a lot. Um And it used to get me through my, in the early days, got me through my boring Mm. uh, TAFE days, um, which certainly uh, helped me get through those days. And I was, I don't think it was footy related that even uh, got me on board. I was searching um, some music stuff, some band, different band set lists and um, came up with big footy, had no idea what it was, but liked my footy and clicked on it. And um, yeah, from there on, it's been something that I've, um, yeah. Checked very regularly and seemed to post pretty regularly too, probably a bit too much.
2: So you're a bit of a muse, mate, are you, or was that just uh, something off the cuff?
5: Yeah, no, I'm definitely into my tunes. Um, don't don't play music myself. I try a bit of guitar, but no, music's a um, pretty big part of my life, music and footy. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the PJ uh, relates to the Van Pell Jam. So that's where that comes from and uh, – yeah, one of my other good mates is uh, Lynx PJ as well. So he's his Pell Jam related. So obviously, we are in a pretty heavy Pell Jam phase when we joined up. Um, yeah. I've kept the name ever since. So, yeah. Uh,
2: very good. And um, tell us, mate, you've um, been involved in a few little fisticuffs over the time. What's been your most memorable uh, um, encounter on, on the boards while you've been there?
5: Um, probably just arguments with uh, right away. Who I don't think he's even a crow supporter, but he probably probably is but um, yeah I, I ignore a lot of his stuff i I' only learned about the block function recently um, and haven't haven't used it um, and he might be my first one um, but no it's all it's all in good fun. I just think some people like to like to poke and prod and sometimes I'm not strong enough to hold it in and I have a bit of a crack um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one with him. Um, or her. Um, have a few little jobs with uh with Alex as well. Um, but no, I think he's he's pretty harmless to be honest. Um, probably the biggest. A lot of people may not even remember it, but the biggest ones were back in, oh five oh six when, we weren't good enough to to get there in the end in the in those seasons and a lot of people, trying to hang hang a lot on a lot of different people when we really weren't quite good enough in the forward line to, to manage it against the big teams. Not that I was uh, happy with how he ended up, but they were probably my biggest arguments on the board.
2: So were you pro or anti Neil Craig back through that time?
5: I was very pro. Um, yeah, I was very pro Neil Craig. Um, had a lot of faith in the club. Always have a lot of faith in the club. Um, the last few years had been a bit tough, but I had a lot of faith in him. Um, but then looking back on the years and looking at the actual squads that the premiership winning teams had, I don't think we quite had it. Maybe 05 was a bit more open, but I think 06 West Coast were far better than us. Um, and yeah, from, from then I was obviously off of Craigie towards the end, but I was on him for a long time, even through, through 09. Um And then, but now looking back on that, there was a lot of mistakes there, but I've, I was pretty critical of Sando through the years, even um, even after two thousand and twelve. There was a few things we did that I didn't like, which we don't have to go into.
3: <laughs> I had to release my tension on the uh, my uh, gym bike at home with Neil Craig, but that's a different matter. Yeah,
5: all right, there's a few <laughs> players with you, I think. Yeah.
2: So um, two thousand and four, or or even a fractionally, you'd be. Nicky, he'd be one of the first.
0: He'd be up there.
2: Yeah, he'd be around about one of the few. Who, who were some of the people back there that were? Um,
0: <laughs> Chromo.
2: Chromo Stiffy eighteen.
5: Yeah, Stiffy. 18, eight. was, I remember. I remember Stiffy eighteen. Um, I will never forget the bloke who loved John Meeson, but I don't remember his name.
0: Ah, oh, um, he was a Norwood supporter. Yeah, he used to. Yes
5: and uh, Drummond was it? Yes, Drummond. <laughs> yeah, and oh, He basically posted day or daily easily for a long time, and then just completely disappeared. So he's either changed his name and come up as someone else, or um, but anyway, he he had a love affair with John Mason. I can remember him. He played one game for Norwood, and I remember he, calling for him to come in ahead of you know you know, Doc, uh, marriage and, and uh, whoever we had at the time. And it was completely I think it was ridiculous. Doc Clark. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And um, yeah, I just remember, just couldn't believe how much he loved John Meeson and Meeson was rubbish.
3: <laughs> I remember the day Meeson was drafted, and I, the thing I said to my uh, wife who hates football and it was probably, she was just a sounding board that I needed to win to. I'm like, that guy doesn't want to be here. Yeah. No. Why did we draft him?
5: Yeah, that was was an interesting time because yeah, I reckon he actually played a, a few good games for Norwood, um, but you know, wouldn't under the old crazy model would just never would never get a look in. I think there were a lot of young blokes that came through during that that period that weren't that happy.
2: Nah, no, I mean, what was the other guy that we had for a while that was soft as butter that played for Norwood?
5: A few see them.
0: Um, Jericho,
2: Jericho, yeah. Mason was in the Jericho category of softness, really. Yeah, Aaron's yeah, but at, least, but at
0: least Jericho actually looked like a footballer every so often.
2: Until you came near him, then he dropped the yeah.
0: ball in
5: off.
2: Yeah, yeah, he would have been. It would have been great in a kick to
5: kick. He had all the skills. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of a lot of the bigger blokes that we drafted. Between sort of 2001 and 2007, who were who were dominant when they were younger, um, and then just couldn't couldn't keep up with it. There's a there's a lot there if I look back on it.
2: So mate, you've been following the um, Jimmy Heard saga today.
5: What's your take on that? Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that they needed to get rid of him. Um, I kind of think I don't really know why they. They sort of did it now, they either why not a little while ago or why not at the end of the year. It seems a little bit strange, but I think they're probably a bit spooked about Carlton and Adelaide um, coaching positions and they want to throw their hat in the ring. Um, oh, it's a pretty untenable situation after what happened against us on the weekend. I I can't remember a game that we've played where the opposition has been so poor. It was almost almost in the last quarter, took a bit off the win almost. like They were so bad. I still enjoyed it, though. Oh, I, I loved it. Um, and so it was good to see – sorry, it was interesting to see how well we kicked under no pressure, really. That was you – know, when, when there was a bit of pressure on us, we struggled. But our kicking was up really high because they basically were witches hats.
0: I wonder, though, is, was there pressure on us, though, because we weren't missing a lot so that when we did, it was a real – it did stand out because you saw Jenkins react when he missed one of them. He was absolutely ropeable with himself.
5: You would be, Nicky, because you, you're kicking over a traffic, you know, a witch's hat. How can you miss? I'm, True. I'm sort of more talk, talking in general the field kicking. That was my my observation. Coming coming off halfback, we would, you know, there was play there that I hadn't seen since 2006 where we just, the opposition didn't touch the ball. What I reckon we've had times like that for a while where there's no pressure. Yeah.
0: No, we've we've had a couple of games this year where we've done it. We've taken it from a kick out all the way down, done the coast to coast.
2: Yeah, but I mean, we, I don't I can't yeah, remember the last time we ran at seventy eight percent disposal efficiency or whatever the hell we were running. Even game.
5: when we no, that was amazing. Even when we're winning this year, we're still still sub seventy, which isn't good enough.
3: Mm. At least we, I, I think one thing we found out of the game is that we've found a specialist sub.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David McKay, he's my whiffing boy too. David McKay, I think he's everybody's.
0: Oh wow. no, not my mother. She was ropeable that he was sub. She loves, she loves him.
3: Yeah, I... my mum loves him too. <clears throat> mm, David's a good get,
0: boy.
2: When you don't get much of something, that's when you tend to love them. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and you don't see much of McKay, so it's a little wonder she loves him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think because she reminds him uh, reminds McKay reminds her of my younger brother. He's just got that innocent look.
5: Yeah. Doesn't he's harm but that's his problem, he's harmless. He doesn't he doesn't have a doesn't have that that real weapon. He kinda used to with his leg I guess, but he doesn't get it enough. Anyway, we've discussed this on the boards. Statistical
3: non-statistical oh, stuff. That that's word. That's not him. Right.
0: That's Wright. Wright does that role.
3: Noble likes to see that, and that's what we expect from our players. Yeah. Well, Noble's
0: not right. coaching.
5: Right. Wright's not playing. So that's exactly. <laughs> that's... And he can stay there. Mm. So um,
2: you're on the bandwagon now, mate. In terms of the current administration and the direction of the club and all that sort of stuff, you're
5: pretty happy. Yeah, I am. I'm. Um... Yeah, I've, I've been. I haven't actually been a signed up named member for a long time. I've, I go with go with a really good mate who's always had two tickets, and I've just gone along with him. Um, and at the end of last year it was the first when we got Walshy on board and Fagan and through like It was the first time in a long time I'd actually um, sort of put my I guess my money where my mouth is and bought um, the membership. And then felt really good about it, and took my my little daughter to the family day for the first time, and it really, really feels like it's a place you want to be rather than a place where you kind of feel you might want to be, which is the 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 biggest feeling I've got. Um, And feel you know feel um, yeah, still still not easy to really really talk about, but he he's set the foundations for us for. Forever, I don't think our club will ever be the same. Um, hopefully we can find someone who um, obviously won't imitate him. We can't find a Phil Welsh too, but someone who continues on with the values. And I think our values are now, are now much more defined rather than something that we hope to see. I think they're reached. I,
0: I, th- I think the wording um, I've kind of used is we, we want to find somebody that complements yep. um, the direction our club's heading in. Yep. I agree.
2: I, I do think, um, you know, um, and it's so sad that it had to happen under these circumstances, but I do think for the first time, perhaps forever, um, our club has a defined culture now. Um, and while she was certainly pivotable, pivot, pivotable, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. That, um, so you know, in terms of a lasting legacy, he certainly left that at our club, and I'm sure that Port, to a degree, would feel the same. But he really was a figurehead and a standout at our club. And you know, if if these are, if these are the um, the KPIs now and the culture now that we're going to adhere to, then um, you know, we we can only be eternally grateful to him. And hopefully, the the coach that we end up picking up, as you say, Nicky needs to be uh, compatible with that culture now, don't don't they?
5: Yeah, definitely.
2: Who would be your pick who would be your pick, mate, if you had
5: a um, a free ticket? A free ticket out of anyone in the whole league? Or who, or who Oh anyone available. available. Okay. Um I like Lee Shooter. Um certainly don't don't know anything more about him than anyone else. I just think he's a lot of places he's been have been successful and he's very experienced. I'm not sure if he's had his own coach, his own team. Um, I think that's that'd be a pretty good thing to have, uh, although, well, she hadn't. Um, I like the idea of Don Pike as well. Um, I know I know he's got family in Adelaide um, who still live here. Uh, sorry, who do live here. Um, and I, I like what he did under Craigie in you know, 06 and 05. I think he had a lot to do with the dominant dominant midfield and structure that we had there during that period. I think with a decent forward line, we would have won a flag there. Um, Not sure if Campo wants it. He hasn't seemed that convincing um, in terms of what he said. I think he's doing a great job. Um, As long as we don't go down the line of a young coach, a lot of people would like Bassett, but I just don't think he's the fit. Um, Yeah, Pike or Tudor I'd be happy with, I think. And I reckon, I reckon the club actually know. I, I don't, but nothing. Yeah. I, yeah. reckon have, I reckon they, I reckon they've got it sorted, or at least very well on the way of being sorted, and it's reasonably quiet.
3: We play a bloody good game of poker these days. We hold our cards very close
5: to our chests. Yeah, we do. I think that's a good thing, though, um, compared to what we've done previously, which is sort of semi-leak and then. To you know, try to all all the place. try to deny and then then confirm, and you know, just it's better to be it's better to be have things close to your chest and have people disappointed than have things yeah. out in the open. I think.
3: I agree.
1: Yeah,
2: look, I I mean we've all said it before. I reckon Pikey'd be fantastic, yeah. and given that I don't even reckon he got interviewed for the Carlton job. And it sounds like Carlton are pretty close to naming their selection. Who's that? If Bolton, if
0: even the Hawthorne players think Bolton's got the job, even though he hasn't said anything about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. The only thing that might delay that is the is the, is poor Brett Ratten situation. Yeah, but I, I reckon, given that, if Pikey's available, I reckon we've got him stitched up.
5: Yeah, I hope so. And I'm, I think a Worsfold. If Worsfold happens to want to. Um, continue. A Worsfold-Pike combination with Teague and uh, and Milburn, Campo may stay. That's It seems like it looks pretty good to me. Winning combo.
0: My, my dad had an interesting comment after the Richmond game that when everybody was, you know, standing on the sidelines and you saw Campo interacting with all the players, but Worsfold standing there as well. And my dad said the impression he got was that the look on his face was a proud father.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been, I agree he's with been, that. Um, he's been standing, you know, sort of 30 metres away from the pack during different points, just watching him um, and really taking it in. And I think he's probably making little comments here and there, but not doing too much. But I, f- I think he liked and listened to a bit of double A as well. Um, and he seems to he's obviously not gonna say any different, but he seems to like what he sees, particularly in the leadership group.
3: I think being an assistant to the, the coach like a overseer, you, you you gotta um you don't wanna draw the line where you're interfering and you don't wanna be like holding back as well. So you gotta draw the line where where do I
0: say something, where do I don't say something. And I think he's definitely got the experience and able to do that. Um, It's just shown in our performances um, with what's happened. And the other other thing I actually found interesting was Talia in the aftermatch. He was asked about, you know, what was, you know, he said, did Campo tell you to be ruthless and this other thing um, at three-quarter time? And he just said, no, what Campo and Wusha were very clear on that we had three things to work on this game. And we had to keep on those three things. And anytime we started to get away from that or discuss other things, they would bring it back. It's these three key points, and that's all you're working on. So they're keeping it very simple for the playing group. And I actually think that's that's quite good coaching.
4: I'm interested to. Um, I, I heard that as well, Nikki. And I, I um, forgot to mention it on the board. I don't know if anyone else did, um, but I think that we could probably narrow it down to what those three things are uh, with a little bit of thought.
0: Goal kicking, yeah. being accurate.
4: Oh, I think probably strength over the ball.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Ground ball, defensive structures. Yeah. I reckon kick, kick. Because a few players have talked very much about holding structure in yeah, that game. Yeah,
5: and I, one thing I've noticed particularly in the Richmond and Essendon games was, and even in some of the other games, is just kick if you can. So overhand ball is finished. We have, I don't think we've had hardly any games this year where we've handled more than kicked, which is a complete opposite of previous years. I think maybe one of the games we lost, we did. Um, but kicking, kicking when you can, even if kicking efficiency is low.
4: Yeah, I think that was the city yeah, game.
1: Yeah,
3: uh, was yeah. yeah very much. I think handball, use it to link up a play, but bugger it off with too much handball. A couple of handballs to set up a play and then kick. Matt Grouch is in
4: trouble. Mm-hmm. Then, <laughs> yeah. Seems to be, seems to be um, players who are um, given the responsibility of handballing, and others who are given the responsibility of kicking.
0: Yeah.
2: Which is why I think we've got uh, those two new young lads in, particularly and um,
5: uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, they're both beautiful.
0: They're both beautiful kicks of the football.
5: Yeah, I really like Atkins a lot. I've um, yes, saw him play a game last year, and then seen him play one SNFL game this year. Where he, I reckon he only had about fifteen touches, but every one of them was to space or to, cre- uh, to really creative. He actually sort of thinks ahead of the player. Yeah. A, is he nineteen or twenty? Just for a kid like that to to cr- almost create his own create his own space already reminds me a lot of a few other good lefties in the comp
2: people forget that he was touted early on in that draft year as a potential first round pick. And it was only his attitude mm-hmm. um, that saw him drop down. Um, so whilst he appears a bargain, we really did take a bit of a punt on him and it's a credit to our culture again, I guess in our junior de- or youth development that we've been able to set him straight and, um, you know, help him to realize his potential because he's really starting to kick on. Oh, I agree. On now. It's a,
5: he was a, pretty ballsy pick and I reckon he was a pretty ballsy selection to, to pick him. I mean, he's, he's not. it's not like he's getting 40 in the SNFL like a crouch or whatever, but I think he, he just came in at the right time and probably got over, at the moment, has got over Grig at the right time with Grig's injury. So Yeah, and
0: I agree. The, and the problem with Grig is that he's not quick and he isn't defensively minded. And even though there's a couple of times I kind of yelled at the television that I would have preferred Atkins to go in and tackle because he was waiting for the Essendon player to pick it mm. up. Um, he's got that advantage over Greg.
5: I still love Greg though. People on the board would know. I love him. <laughs> I think he should be, I think he should be <laughs> playing every week, but you know, balance and all that, I guess.
2: So, mate, have you had any um, infractions on the board or any running with yeah. mods or any sort of what what's been there great, um, mate? Because you you seem pretty level yeah, here.
5: Um, I haven't had too many. Um, I had uh one when one around when Walshy was about to get appointed. I was stupidly went over to the port board and posted I can't even remember someone someone posted on the port board, posted how we picked a picked someone who hadn't hadn't done much yet or hadn't coached much yet or something and I just said a comment back saying he, he was part of your mob and your success for a while anyway anyone, anyway, one of their mods banned me which I managed to get un, I unbanned by that by making an argument um, that it wasn't fair um, but apart from that I haven't had too many issues I've had a few posts removed but nothing nothing too bad I'm not, I'm not really there to argue to be honest I use it as a bit of an outlet for discussions.
2: I think getting banned on the port board is a right of passage.
5: <laughs> yeah, right, there you go.
2: Don't, don't, don't you get a point or something rather for Nikki if you get banned on the port board?
0: <laughs> no, don't we, we, don't. no, we actually tell you off for going over there and inciting.
5: Yeah. That's the thing, though, is if it wasn't inciting, it was just a comment. So I, just, I don't even bother now. It's pretty crazy. It.
0: Yeah, tra- traditionally there's been some issues with some moderators on other boards that tend to get very offended at things that weren't probably offensive. Okay,
5: That's, the best, so... that's your world, Mrs. I'm not a part of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was.
3: <laughs> I knew there, there was a reason why I didn't like Ford P. Steevers. <laughs> All right. Well, it was probably
2: that time to chuck you under the grill, mate. Every week we um, we finish off the segment by asking some extremely hard hitting and um, emotionally oh, right draining on. questions. So I hope you've uh, I hope you've got your man pants on and um, are up for a bit yeah, of a grilling. Um, the first question, which may or may not result in an infraction from Big Fella for you, um, <laughs> Kylie or Danny, mate, and why? Why
5: can't we have both?
0: <laughs> nice. That's,
2: that's plagiarism. It is. That that really is. Plagiarism.
5: You. Um, yeah, Kylie, because she's on a couple of Wiggles DVDs that my daughter watches. So Kylie. Did you get that big fella? Did you get it?
2: <laughs> I'm focused on the Wiggles part of that answer,
5: really. But anyway, <laughs> it's uh, all above board, Phoenix. Nothing's nothing sus, mate.
2: Nothing sus. All right. Um, okay. If you had um a duffel coat, if you were old enough to remember duffel coats back in the day, um who would you have on the back of it and why?
5: Um, uh you guys may not may not know, you may you may remember. I'm a I'm a Glenelg man. going through. Um Johnny Fidge. Johnny Fidge.
1: Johnny uh, oh um, my last,
5: goodness! Yeah, recent times he's got himself in a bit of strife. But um, big Johnny Fidge, the big blonde, big blonde perm, he was my uh, he was my man. I can <clears> remember <throat> before the before the nineteen ninety grand final against Port. I was adamant we were going to win. Wasn't that old and uh, going down to training and watching watching Fidge and and. Uh, might have been 92. I can't remember. Fiji and Darren Mansell and all those boys training. They were my heroes. So, yeah, Johnny Fitch.
1: <laughs> I could tell you some stories about yeah. Fidji. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Darren ever, Mansell's
3: seen better days these days,
2: hasn't he? If you ever walk past his place down Seacliff Way, you'd you, you find a nice little aroma <laughs> coming from his house. <laughs> yeah.
3: Bit of a fan of the... um. In the older uh, musical yeah. youth.
1: I think he's into gardening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're right.
2: Um next one. Um of all the posters on the Adelaide board, who would you most like to have a beer with and why?
5: Well, apart from you guys. Um Naturally. Um I like a bit of um I like a bit of Sloan Ranger. Um, bit of Scorpus. I think he's all right. Um a good He always is very, very level-headed. Um, I reckon. I reckon. I don't know much about him, but I reckon Alex would be right to have a beer with. I reckon he'd be a bit of a laugh. Um, and Froggy too. Froggy's funny. I like him. Yeah. Probably. I like Froggy. I, like, I like people who I like people who post. Yeah, not not like me. I post too much. People who come on. Once a week and post a couple, a couple of things that just hit the nail on the head without too much bullshit. That's what I like.
2: Yeah. Um, and your thoughts on danger? Whether he's going yeah, or staying?
5: I, I think he's staying. Um, I, I, I've been saying for a long time, even last year, that I think he he wants to get out and doesn't want to. Not necessarily doesn't want to be here, but I think he'll leave. Um, I said right up until. Uh, even if a month ago, that he's gone um, to a lot of people's displeasure. got actually that's another thing I got into a lot of fights about about why he's gone, just because he would have indicated already that he's that he's staying. But I actually think he is staying now. Um, I think his few things have changed with his behaviour, with his performance, and I think um, I think Connor's coming over to Adelaide visibly a few weeks ago. Um, maybe flicked it for me to go that. It probably wouldn't be that obvious if he was leaving. Might be a little bit more done a bit quieter than that. I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong yeah. on other stuff. Like
0: not tweeting a picture of them all out. Yeah, to dinner like, together.
5: It, and I, I, I don't. I'm not one to jump to massive conclusions, and that's why I was adamant for so long that he was going. But there's a lot of things, just little things that are coming out that make make me feel like he's going to stay. I think he. I don't think it'll be a big contract. I think it might be a couple of years, but. Um, yeah, I hope he does stay. I think we need him.
3: <laughs> yeah, prior to had uh, passing, I was definitely thinking he's mm, I was gone. The same. But now I'm back. Yeah, it could hands. be a
5: bit of just trying to feel feel nice too, but <laughs> I don't know. Not sure. It's easy. I think it's definitely easier to say he's going because it it kind of looks like he's going, but it,
3: yeah, it's a, a safer bet because he's from that part of Geelong and you think, oh, well, yeah, he's going to go because he's going to be close to family, but we don't know. We what don't he's know. I think, he's, do we?
5: I think he's always been pretty solid in what he's said and he, he did say he has said all along, look, I'm not saying until the end of the year, he might have decided, but he's just waiting or he could be going and it, the club could know. Who knows? We don't know yet. Yeah, you can tell he's a professional bloke. That's a bloody hell. Yeah, he's, he's very smooth too. He's... Certainly going to be set up after football in the media. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And the final one, mate, do you reckon we're going to um, (laughs) land in the eight Uh,
5: seasons then this year? The Richmond win uh, flipped it, and I'll I'll say yes. Um, I think we can, we need to get over Brisbane first. I think we'll do that. But I think think we can beat West Coast, particularly with uh, Marston's got two games. Um, so I think we can beat West coast, which will just about stitch us up a spot. Um, and Geelong and Geelong is always almost an immediate, no, we can't win that game, but I think we can, I think we can pinch one of West coast or Geelong and get in and probably finish seventh or eighth and play an elimination final. But I I think it's possible for us to finish six if we win all of them, but that's definitely wishful thinking.
2: Um, yeah, you're right. If we win them all, that we finish sixth, I think, and get a home yeah, final. Yeah, I,
5: do, I doubt that would happen. But I think I think we can play finals. I think we've. And if let's face it, if we don't, if we can't beat Geelong in the last game, we probably don't deserve to make it anyway because we haven't beaten enough teams above us. So,
2: very good, very good. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure having you on tonight. Thanks very much for giving up your time and uh, sharing your big footy board experiences with us. No worries, it was great to chat to you all. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, yeah. we'll see you on the board. See you guys. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much.
0: Bye. See you, PJ. Thanks, PJ. Thanks,
1: Cheers, mate.
2: All right, well, on that note, I guess we should call it a night. It's um, turned into a, another lengthy podcast, so hopefully um, people listening in, enjoy what we've put together. And uh, thanks, guys, for giving up your time. Thanks, uh, Danos, Nicky and Waffle.
0: Thanks Phoenix.
2: Thanks, Phoenix. Thanks, Phoenix. And we'll bugger off and see you at the footy.
0: See you Sunday. Bye. There you
1: go. You <laughs>